Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Rabbi and the Reverend, featuring Rabbi Daniel Cohen and Reverend Greg Dahl, broadcasting live from Stanford, Connecticut. Today, they will begin a lively conversation about faith, life, and culture from their respective faith backgrounds. Between the two of them, they represent about 40 years of experience serving synagogues and churches. But more important, they share a friendship and many faith convictions. And now, the Rabbi and the Reverend. Hi, my name is Rabbi uh, Daniel Cohen. I'm with the esteemed Reverend Gregory Dahl from Darien. He always loves when I give him that big intro. How are you? Hey, I'm doing really well. Good to see you again, Rabbi, on this beautiful day in the Northeast. You're doing okay? We're having a good week, Rabbi? I am. You know, as I said, I had an opportunity earlier this week to spend time with you. I'm looking forward to our... uh, webinar that we're doing this coming uh, week i think we got to prepare right we're talking about uh, ai and faith and religion correct i think there's a lot of things we're gonna have to prepare for for this one yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna talk about artificial intelligence and its implications for people of faith yeah people who are in caring ministries all that sort of stuff so Yeah, by the way, I mean, I have some things I want to talk about, but I would love to talk about it just, you know, on this first segment, um, some of the things that are uh, stirring in your soul as we prepare. Um, I think think everybody kind of struggles with, um, again, technology is a good thing. Advancements are good things. But how, of course, are we harnessing it not only for, you know, as, as I think the fundamental question is, one of the fundamental questions is, of course, just because you can, should you? You know, this notion of harnessing technology responsibly. By the way, who just walked into your room? Was it like uh, Stephen Young of Brigham Young? Uh, Stephen <laughs> was a major quarterback. Who who walked in the it's room? Somebody far more important than that. It was Pastor Gary. Uh, Gary, Gary, where is he? Tell him to come in the studio. He's uh, he's with somebody else. Oh, he's, he is. Uh, he's doing a little pastoral care right now, but he, okay. he popped in just to say hello. So. Uh, like Gary, <laughs> Gary is a, is a is a really good guy. He's a bright light. He is a bright light for sure. So anyway, anything like when you think about if somebody, um, you know, just were to ask you, like, okay, so what's your opinion about um, artificial intelligence and the advancements? Um, how would you counsel them? I think initially, I mean, I guess I should say it this way. My initial thoughts on it is I do circle around a little bit 
all the all the benefits of it and and the blessings of it in a lot of different fields. Um, I don't claim to be super knowledgeable about it. I just know enough to realize that, particularly when I think of like things in the medical field, there are a lot of amazing advancements yeah. that are benefiting people and yeah. saving lives and helping people flourish as human beings as a result. So that's a, a thing that we should celebrate. I mean, you and I, we're sitting here on a on a Zoom call um, and, you know, just, just the technology that we have to do what we do is remarkable. And the pace, the rapidity in which things are moving along with technology, you know, some of them are, are great blessings to us, great blessings to our congregation. Um, so I, I, I start there by sort of extolling the good things that are happening or mm-hmm. that are, um, again, I hope will, will help with human flourishing. Um, I think the stuff that gets a lot of airtime, Rabbi, is probably the stuff what people are concerned about. They're they're concerned about how this will, in some way, mediate um, humanity in ways that are that break down human relationship and um, create threats to um, quality of life. Um, you know, I think about some of them are. I referred to the phone in general as like a Trojan horse that, you know, there were a lot of benefits to it, but it also brought in a lot of things that are destructive. So I think it's a, it's a mixed bag. And I think it's good that we're, I, 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 I'll say this, there's certainly a lot being written on it. So it seems to me that at least I can only speak for the church, but in my trade journals, there is a, there's like a profusion of writing on this right now mm-hmm. with, again, with cautionary tales, just to make sure that we're coming into this with our eyes wide open, aware, aware of both the, you know, the benefits of it and the dangers of it. Yeah. Well, I think you said it well in terms of, again, there is so much, especially in the areas of, of health, um, that artificial intelligence, again, has offered us and, you know, I think about living in such a special age where there are prophecies that say, you know, those who are deaf can hear, those who are blind can see, you know, just all these technologies really is enhancing the quality of life, enhancing the length of life. And it was interesting, there was a conference on aging in the 1960s, and uh, John F. Kennedy was speaking there, and I believe he said, it's not just enough to talk about increasing our length of years. It's also important to think about what are we doing now with those additional blessings, you know, and I think that's exactly, you know, kind of where there needs to be. And we've talked about this, a sense of humility. And at the end of the day, um, AI cannot be fully regulated. You know, there has to be, um, I think, a reawakening, a little bit of humility and faith to entrust this new technology um, with people who are hopefully going to harness it responsibly and not for nefarious purposes that will kind of yield a uh, greater blessing for the people as well. Yeah, I, I, I will say what I said the other day when we were talking about it, our, our faith doesn't lend itself really well to the idea of trusting humanity with this sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> our, 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 our particular faith and my denominational 
emphasis is a lot about the idea. I mentioned this to you the other day of human depravity, of the the, the blindness still within us, the mm. dangers of our fallenness and our brokenness and our motives that are still still sullied and and affected by the fall. And we ha- yeah, haven't been fully re- and completely redeemed in ways that eliminate the potential for evil. And um, so it's, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of cautionary tales out there about that in a lot of different ways. So I think there's a, a bit of some reservation, Rabbi, maybe that's the word yeah. about this of saying, hey, let's, do we really want to entrust this sort of stuff to, to human beings? Um, but again, you know, it's almost like, you know, we just don't have a choice. We have to grapple with it. It's not like we're turning yeah. it off. Like the train has left the station, you yeah. know, and then we as as faith leaders and, you know, and, and in general as people, I think, um, who are concerned about the um, potential uh, uh, fallouts, you know, have to consistently, and I think this is an important point, engage in conversation where, we're checking our motives. There's self-reflection to ask ourselves not only how can we do something, but why are we going to do something as a way to create this like constant, um, almost mirror through which we can analyze our actions. Um, and I think that's actually part of the process. Not that we're looking to create this template where, okay, here's all your answers, but it's a little bit like we were talking with Steve. You know, what are the three or four or five questions that we're encouraging people to ask on a regular basis as artificial intelligence evolves and evolves quickly so we can self-regulate to a degree beyond the external regulations that hopefully will create some sort of uh, almost internal guardrails so that people will actually be using it um, in a way that's elevating and, and blessed. Yeah, those are the important questions that we're asking. I think that's probably the role that we will play at some level is what what guardrails need to continue to be in place around this as as we celebrate the discoveries that are beneficial to our world what are the things that we need to be careful around so uh, yeah i think just asking the right questions being vigilant around this so being as circumspect as we possibly can as things advance trying Mm -hmm. to anticipate where these things can go and then again how do we harness this for good and um and i hope <laughs> um you know um cautiously optimistic yeah. that that m- m- most of it will be be harnessed for good and we will be wise enough to put up some things that will prevent it from being used and you said in nefarious ways yeah yeah no 100 percent. but uh look we're going to continue this um and i'm sure uh hopefully the webinar will just be the beginning of a continuing conversation about it. And just knowing that you're by my side in this conversation, that alone <laughs> is enough. God is here. Um, all right. So listen, thanks everybody for joining us on the first segment on AI and faith, this edition of the rabbi and the reverend. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other hosts or advertisers. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and is not intended to treat, diagnose, and or claim any cure of disease or condition based on advice or recommendation of the host.
Welcome back to the second segment of The Rabbi and the Reverend. We're glad you're joining us today. And we're talking a little bit about um, AI, uh, the topic du jour, this idea of um, what are the benefits and the, the dangers of artificial intelligence and how does that affect us as people of faith. So we had a preliminary conversation about that. We're going to have a lengthier conversation in a week. Rabbi and I are doing a, a Harvard webinar on that topic, and they're going to ask us about how this kind of affects us as those sort of serving or ministering, and what does that look like for us as those guys sort of on the ground in the field doing ministry. So that'll be an interesting conversation, a little bit out of my uh, wheelhouse of uh, knowledge <laughs> and interest, but it'll stretch us a little bit, and and I hope it helps us to to ask some important questions and Hopefully, we'll become a little more informed about it, Rabbi, but should be a stimulating conversation. So, thanks yeah. for the conversation. God willing. I'm moving in a different direction for you, because you know, I think part of what makes um, our conversations and you know life uh, in the clergy uh, so challenging and exciting is that we never know what kind of questions we're going to get, what areas of counsel. So, I was sitting with, <laughs> somebody, a few, uh, sitting with somebody a few hours ago who is struggling with a uh, diagnosis of Parkinson's. He's had the diagnosis for about a year. Uh, he's been living a year and eight months. And um, he's angry. Mm. You know, they have not yet been able to find the right cocktail to really help him. His hope is to stabilize. He said he's lost his ability to laugh a little bit. Like he's, he used to be much more optimistic and hopeful. And, um, you know, trying to give somebody counsel. So I'm wondering, you know, what, 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 I know it's kind of totally out of the blue. I'm putting you on the spot, but, you know, it's a specific question about counseling this person, but it's also really a question of, you know, thinking about how do we address uh, those moments when, God forbid, somebody is faced with kind of, uh, you know, a total, um, change in the way they thought they were going to lead their life. I'll just conclude with this. He said, Rabbi, we thought, We'd have this whole retirement in front of us. We'd be able to travel. And now it's just hard. I can't really walk that well. And you know, my whole world is turned upside down. So, and then he said to me last point, how long do you think it'll take until I can get on the more positive side of this thing? So mm. anyway, I was curious, like how you might counsel somebody. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, tough one. Out of you. I'm sorry about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's a great question. I think um, he's clearly in this in the place right now where he's he's just so staggered by this and um i think um acknowledging the pain of it for starters um and sort of you know expressing um our our own sort of recognition of how hard this must be um i'm sorry this must be really really hard and and then you know, allow them to to talk about it mm -hmm. and get give expression to what what's roiling around inside of them at this point in their emotional system. Mm. Good a good listener, uh, a patient listener, and allow them to express whatever they want to express. And most people, when they feel like they're heard and they're able to give expression to what's inside of them typically feel a little bit better 
just by that that one experience. Not that that's they're not going to wake up the next morning terrified again, or yeah. angry, or perplexed, or whatever. Um, it's going to be. I mean, they're they're going to have that emotional routine for quite a while as they adjust to this. But I think just being there for them is the most important thing. People are going through it, um, letting them know that you're with them, letting them know you're praying for them, letting them to know that you're you're gonna um, be here to walk with them. That means a lot to people. And I think it's also our way of reinforcing what the scriptures teach us about God's promise to walk with us and never leave us or forsake us. And um, all those scriptures over and over again of him reminding us that he's with us. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes, you know, those scriptures that are very visual for people, I think can be helpful. I think there's one in like Psalm 125, it says something like, like the mountains surround Jerusalem, so do I surround my people and never leave or, or, uh, and, uh, and watch over their coming and their going. And Psalm 121.8 says the same thing. And sometimes those, those visuals that remind us that, that we're never alone in this, yep. that God is with us. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, that's, I mean, that's the only thing that we really have to offer people is to remind them that they're not alone in it, that we're with them, but more importantly, God is with them and he promises over and over and over and over and over. He promised you, he won't leave you in this. No, it's hard, but he's going to walk with you through it. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'd start. No, I think that, um, you know, and, and it was interesting because I think just simply, as you say, my presence or anybody's presence just to listen mm-hmm. um, source of comfort and also you know to your point about you know god brought him into this world today for maybe it's a new purpose and maybe um there's an opportunity here with the talents and blessings that he does have to find new meaning you know in his life and um you know the the the, the, the challenge of course is is to pivot from asking why to pivoting to saying, okay, now what, how can I make new meaning? And, and that transition could be very, uh, very daunting. Um, it's very heroic when people do do that. You know, when somebody is like totally their, their world is turned upside down. Um, but I was also suggesting to him, again, there's no silver bullet, magic bullet here, but that your actions affect your emotions. And I asked him like, what has brought him the greatest life satisfaction in the past year with Parkinson's? And maybe there's a way to increase, you know, his activity in those things. Because when you when you when you feel that you have meaning and you, you do have the ability to help, even though it may not be in the thought you way you would help, um, it kind of gives you another bounce in your step and and you feel, you know, wow, there are things that I can do. And just also to take a moment to uh count the blessings somebody i'll just conclude with this maybe then we'll go to the next segment somebody once said to me um who is who is a a mentor of mine ask the individual who's suffering to find a charity that supports people that are worse off than them Mm. and then have that box with them every day and they put charity in that box so they're always helping out but also recognizing that they have blessings and they should count those blessings as well i love that counsel that's really really good yeah especially the idea of doing the things that are life-giving for you. I, I love that idea, spending more time in the things that yeah. 
you life and encourage you, but also shifting your 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 focus exclusively yeah. on yourself to others. Yeah. So let's pick up a little bit more on that on the next segment of this edition of the Rabbi and the Reverend. challenging and hopefully um helpful conversation and how do we counsel people that have been uh unfortunately stricken with different uh physical uh, emotional maladies and i know uh, the pastor uh greg you, reverend of course you said to me you had some uh, follow-up questions or follow-up things you wanted to talk about so go for it yeah i think for stars i just want to make sure that i that i'm clear about this notion that i'm I feel deep empathy for people who struggle with things that are chronic. I, I don't know how they do it. I, um, the people yeah. that carry heavy things all the time, all day, every day, physical things where maybe there's 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 no medical solution, and um, and they just keep putting one foot in front of the other, or they again they receive some unbearable news and they soldier through these things. I'm I'm in awe of, of people who have that kind of resiliency and faith and trust. And so I just want to start there just by acknowledging that. That's one of the things over the last 25 years, I continue to be amazed by the faith that people have in the midst of troubles and um, trauma. So I want to say that, but I also, it's interesting right now, we're in a book in the in the New Testament called Philippians, and we're nearing the end. And the theme of this book, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but the theme of this book, it's not that long. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a church, is joy. And he says it over and over. In this short letter, 16 times he uses the term joy. And one of the things that he says a lot, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And mm-hmm. again, I say rejoice. Rejoice yeah. in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And so he's telling people to rejoice always i think about um the old i mean the old testament the hebrew scriptures also have this sort of language um this is the day the lord has made i will rejoice and be glad in it Um, Mm -hmm. this kind of language and so you know you could hear that and say well paul doesn't understand my circumstances right Uh, that's a great point when he writes this, here are his circumstances when he wrote the letter. He's in prison. He's in a Roman prison and not sure if he's ever going to be released. He will eventually be martyred. Um, but he's in a Roman prison. He's been there for a couple of years. And so I can't imagine that was a pleasant place to be. So yeah. the mental, I use the word ennui, the mental sort of torment of being in this place imprisonment 
Secondly, he's just been betrayed or abandoned by some of his closest friends. So he's got the emotional pain that he's carrying around. And then to add insult to injury, he has a physical ailment, something that's chronic. So he's, he's almost got all the bases covered, and yet he still says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And um, so uh, it, it says to me that it's possible to still live in places of joy, even in times that are difficult. And the key to understanding the book is that he talks about or the language we use in the church is being in Christ. It's this idea of, of, of living your life in close proximity, if you will, in the some of the old languages, walking in the light of God's countenance in a way that's life-giving, regardless of what you're going through in life. Mm. Like the source of joy, the source of peace is outside, I mean, is is inside. It's not based on on these externals. And right. it holds up the hope to people who get this kind of diagnosis that even in the midst of this, they can still experience hope. They can still experience peace in the midst of it and joy because it's not dependent on them or their circumstances. God is the supplier of the joy and the peace. And as, as we remain connected to God, in communion with God, we can experience that because he's supplying. Anyway, yes. my long-winded answer to that. but No, it's a great, um, it's a great question. Uh, point that you're making in terms of the nature of you know where do we derive our, our our joy from and oftentimes it's not about what happens to us as we say but also uh how we see the world around us and you know you mentioned also about hope so one of the things that i also think about and i said this to this fellow is we believe ultimately that god is the healer and you may think right now there's no hope you know but god may open up the gates of wisdom and there could be a cure tomorrow and there may be the possibility that that this will go away. So it's important to kind of maintain that sense of hope. Um, I want to share with you, I'm just trying to pull it up a little bit. Um, there's a friend of mine who um, I was close with when he was in uh, Colorado. Uh, his name is Bill Silvers, a, a doctor. And uh, he loved sports. Um, and then what happened was uh, now he is um, uh, 72 years old. Um Actually, then he was 72 years old, uh, and he, he went to go play pickleball, uh, which is pretty insignificant in terms of risks. Yeah. But unfortunately, a freak accident um, turned him into a quadriplegic. Mm, wow. He said, I was a huge skier, cyclist, tennis player. A month and a half before the accident, I was trying out my new knee on Black Diamond Slopes. Mm. With all the risky things I've done in my life, from skiing to driving too fast, I may have deserved to have an accident, but pickleball was sure. not my idea of a high-risk activity. But then he says that he draws inspiration from his parents. He says his parents are survivors of the Holocaust. He said, having this kind of life-changing injury is not fun or easy, but it's nothing like the experience of the Holocaust. I look at my life through the lens of my parents' experiences. That gives me perspective to address the situation as positively as I can. God must have had a plan for me. As long as you're breathing, you have a chance to do good in your life. Mm-hmm. As long as you're alive, you have the potential to grow, to help others and be the best person you could be. I have bad moments, but I never have bad days. 
Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and 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 I sent him a note. Like I left him a, a phone message about four months ago when I when I heard, and he didn't he didn't respond. And I posted something on he recently there was an article that just came out about him like a few days ago. I reposted it on on LinkedIn, and then um, he responded about about a half hour ago, um, and he said to me um, that. Uh, you know, he, he, first of all, he appreciate he appreciated the note, but his response was, Rabbi, thank you so much. I oftentimes think about your book regarding what will they say about you. And he just was very appreciative of the, of the reach out a little bit. And, and to me, he's very heroic to transform his life that way. And it's an important reminder for all of us who are blessed with so much more physically, but not mm. necessarily living in that sort of uplifting mental space. Mm. I tell you, that's that's quite a a story. I, I certainly hope that guy is out there sharing his story and being an inspiration and an encouragement to people who are going through it. Mm-hmm. His perspective, right? But yeah. for him to say, "Hey, look, I still have a lot to live for. Um, there's still a lot that I can do to be a blessing to the world." And you know what dawned on me as you were talking about that and reading some of that is how our interior life, our soul, continue continue to thrive and be healthy um, even when our body is breaking down. And mm. we all know people like that. And I think particularly sometime of the older saints that their body's breaking down, but their spirit is so brilliant, mm-hmm. vibrant, and beautiful that um, they're, they're a blessing wherever they go. And yeah. so I, I love his perspective on that, but that it dawned on me. Sometimes we, hey, we place too much emphasis on, on the body and our culture and, yeah. and our, our souls and our spirits and emotional systems. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, again, it's a reminder of, you know, when you see somebody like that, it definitely is a inspiration, uh, you know, uh, not only for us, but for, you know, again, people that are struggling through it. But I would imagine that the person who we started, you know, the person with Parkinson's, it takes a while to get there. I am sure when he had this freak accident, the first thing he was thinking about was, okay, God must have a higher purpose right away. It's a process. Um, And it's, you know, where we as family, as friends and clergy can help walk with people through that journey. Um, So hopefully they'll be able to kind of cross the river and move to a more positive space in their life. Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. So I think we are rounding out this uh, segment in a moment. Is there anything you'd like to sing to everybody before we <laughs> close it up? I mean, I know I need to sing like Sweet Home Carolina. I don't know what you're singing, but that will be our last episode, Rabbi. I guess so. That's yeah. Everyone tunes in. <laughs> I mean, you are a singer, but okay. We will pick it up on the last segment of this edition of the Rabbi and the Reverend. Leslie Riley. Homeownership has been out of reach for many minority families due to systemic inequalities in housing and finance. But now there's a new grant program that aims to expand sustainable homeownership. Chuck Bishop, head of diverse segments for Wells Fargo, explains. One of the biggest barriers to achieving homeownership is coming up with the down payment. That's why Wells Fargo has launched 
its new homebuyer access grant to help eligible homebuyers. The grant provides $10,000 that will be applied toward the down payment for eligible buyers who live in or are purchasing homes in certain underserved communities in eight metropolitan areas. Wells Fargo has been the largest bank originator of home loans to people of color over the past decade. And the launch of the Homebuyer Access Grant Program is another key initiative aimed at advancing racial equity in homeownership. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash home grant or call 866-327-6414. Welcome back to the final uh, segment of this edition of The Rabbi and the Reverend. We've uh, had a very meaningful conversation and journey um, today, reframing. Uh, finding faith not only with an AI, but also when we hit walls in our life and trying to find ways to see them as doors, as portals, as portals of growth and giving people counsel. So um, I actually want to conclude, I'm going to lead you in a conversation about a fascinating statement from the book of Psalms. It says in the book of Psalms that somebody who has reached the age of 80 has achieved strength. Hmm. Now, what does that mean? (laughs) <laughs> the reason I share, share that is because my father, thank God, he should live me well, is with us this weekend uh, celebrating his 80th birthday year. And all of my uh, siblings are here. And, um, you know, I'm kind of talking about some some, some different ref- reflections on leading a very purposeful life. And I found it fascinating because we think of strength in one context, but King David, who was a person of great wisdom and faith, obviously that, that 80 is associated with strength. I'm curious. How do you interpret that? Well, what's a perfect segue from what we were just talking about? It is actually. Go ahead. Yeah. I set you up here. I gave like, you a softball. What do you want to say? Like it's not about physical strength. That's where our, our heads typically go when we think about somebody being strong. We think of Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Bible, when it talks about strength, it's mainly talking about internal strength, interior strength, the strength of our spirits, the strength of our souls. And so it's a very different kind of strength. And it requires a, a a very different kind of training to build strength within our our spirits, our souls, than it does to build strength within our bodies. So I, I think I, I love that idea that your dad is considered to be a strong man, a man of a pillar of strength at 80 years old, if he has been cultivating, training, building, strengthening his in, interior life. Yeah. It's actually interesting because, you know, we get a little secret into understanding this from uh, ethics of our fathers, where it says, who is strong? One who conquers their inclination, their evil inclination. Right. You know, this notion that you lead a very, you know, disciplined, transcendent, selfless, other you know, you know, it's it's purposeful. It's not pleasure driven, but it's purposeful driven. You know, and you know, one who hopefully has had um, a life experience, you know, and led that life. You know, by the time God willing, somebody's eighty years old, we hope they've kind of fortified their soul with that sort of um, sense of life purpose. But we only get there if we train. And that training um, is accomplished 
in every kind of single encounter of our life, you know, in every in every moment, in every decision that we make, we're training. We're training to lead lives of inner strength, um, of of soulfulness, and you know, and whether that's um, again a smile, reaching out to somebody, an ethical decision, in which is driven by our values and not by expedience, um, sanctifying a moment with prayer or with Torah study, those are all reflections of leading a strong spiritual life. Hmm. That leads me to a question for you, Rabbi. Yeah. So certainly there are people out there who are who doing their darndest to also cultivate a strong interior life. They might not even use the language that we're using. They might see, yeah, I'm I'm strengthening my spirit so that I can be a, a good leader or that I can overcome adversity or or whatever. I can be a blessing to the world. I'm so I I have routines and practices that I do to strengthen myself. What would you say is the difference between that approach? and someone who's a person of faith. How is someone who is cultivating spiritual practices, what's the difference between the two of them? Well, I think that, you know, it's a risky proposition when faith is not involved, because, you know, at the end of the day, that person may be leading a spiritual life, but what is calling them to lead that life ultimately? It's only about something that they feel inside of them. Um, you know, may feel it, may not feel it. But if somebody recognizes that there is a God and God has endowed me with a new mission today that is unlike yesterday and unlike tomorrow, it's like your call to action every day. Mm. It's a fortifying, uplifting, um, structural force that moves me to act in a certain way. So I'm not saying a person who doesn't have faith can't lead that life, but you know the other piece of it is that you know the notion that there's a God means that every ultimately there's full accountability, and ultimately there's uh, ripple effects that are beyond our understanding. God creates um, new light from different um, light that we bring into the world, and to me, you know, it kind of creates a much more exponential. Um, path for impact in life and also a more um disciplined calling that we have every day that's a lot we're actually running out of time but that's it's a great it's a great conversation i wouldn't i don't think i did it justice here but uh it's it's a great question as usual now go ahead you got one more point because we got to no, i just think that the, the spiritual resources that we have and the way in which um we're not just drawing on our own strength whether that's our physical strength, our internal strength, it yeah. is God's strength that is emboldening us. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's the huge differentiator, isn't it, in yep. our life? That God's the one giving us the strength by His Spirit to live a life of integrity and holiness. Right. No, that's 100%. because We are renewed with that strength. So speaking of strength, speaking of God, as you're <laughs> sitting in this holy office and— <laughs> Darian, I'm going to do the blessing. May Lord bless you and keep you. May Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Maine, um, as always, thank you so much uh, for joining us on this uh, special uh, end of summer edition of The Rabbi. And the Reverend. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other hosts or advertisers. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and is not intended to treat, diagnose, and or claim any cure of disease or condition based on advice or recommendation of the host. (laughs) 